Well, thanks for coming. Yeah. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. I forget it's holidays. Yeah. Holidays. Dude, well, when like you work full time and you're just like caught up in that, it's like mm-hmm. time just disappears in the days, especially yeah. in the summer with like just blend together especially when you work weekends like yes no day yes. is an off day and it just right. every day is the same it's really weird luckily where i work we don't have to work on sundays mm-hmm. um which is weird because all my other past jobs i was working saturday and sundays too so it is kind of nice now to have it but you have to work usually on sundays yeah sundays are my route setting days Mm. so those are the long ones we go from 5 p.m to 2 a.m and for those of you who don't know caleb works at a indoor climbing gym and uh if you just want to briefly explain like route setting to people who don't know yeah so basically in an indoor gym whenever you're climbing the holds that you're climbing are put up by route setters uh and they're put up in a specific way to challenge the climbers so that they can both constantly have something that keeps their mind uh working and also have something that uh might push them past their normal limits right um and we have all sorts of different levels of climbers from people who have never done it before to people who've been doing it for decades so we need to set all different levels of routes in terms of difficulty um we're also trying to maintain a level of creativity and when you walk in any business, it needs to look pretty as well. So mm. route setting is basically the process of managing all of that. I never even thought about the aesthetic of it, like yeah. how a route looks. Because I guess I've never seen bad looking routes or maybe <laughs> I have and I just don't realize it because I haven't been climbing for that long. But mm. that totally, to someone who knows what they're doing, if they were to see a bad route, I can see how that would be unappealing. Yeah, next time you go into the gym, if you take a look... Um, a lot of times we'll have groupings of like three, uh-huh. two or three, and uh, pairing pairing holds up in a group is kind of aesthetic to the eye. Especially, I really like the idea of getting rid of negative space. So if you have two holds that are like six feet apart, I mean, that's an exaggeration, but compare that to a group of three holds that are literally touching each other. There's something yeah. pleasing to the eye about that. Right. Interesting. That totally yeah. makes sense, though. How did you... How did you get into climbing? It's such a, it's such a niche sport. I feel like yeah, there's, it takes a certain type of person I think to really get into it to like the level. Yeah, were. so I had a buddy who just thought it was fun back in high school, um, and I went a handful of times with him, and he got really into it really fast. Uh, convinced me to learn basically as much as I could. We went outdoor climbing. We went deep water soloing. We <laughs> went learned how to lead climb all within like a few months, which wow. these are things that normally people take years to get into. Yeah. Uh, Cause they, a lot of people don't even know what deep water soloing is until like at least a year of climbing. I don't uh, know what it is. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so for those that don't know, it's the basically you climb without any protection. So you don't have any rope, you don't have any crash pads, but you're doing it over uh, a cliff face that's over water okay that's what i was gonna guess but where were you doing that in texas there's in some texas? gorges yeah wow it's pretty cool that's sick yeah that is really really cool um and i've always been a lover of nature yeah um i used to love fishing a lot and it was i didn't i never cared if we caught anything i just loved to go out in the mountains and fish because mm. i could 
be around wildlife. Yeah. Um, now I don't really like to hurt animals as much. Yeah. Um, but uh, climbing has been a great way for me to maintain exposure to the outdoors. Um, and because I took the outdoor aspect of it so early on in my climbing life, uh, it just really shot an interest in my uh, in myself with climbing. Well, that's interesting because now with such a gr- climbing is growing as a sport and i think mm-hmm. it now being in the olympics is a big testament to that and climbing gyms can pop up anywhere they can be anywhere um i feel like and i think I, alex honald has talked about this also is the new generation of climbers maybe us or maybe the young, little younger they're just growing up in indoor gyms and they're just really doing that and focusing on that. Like I've never climbed outside. Yeah. Um, part of that is living in Florida. Um, we don't have really mountains to climb, but it's it's interesting that you still were able to, like that's cool that you were still able to start out in the outdoor. At, yeah. yeah. And indoor climbing is its own, uh, its own world, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started out as just a way for people to train so that they can climb outdoors and to some extent i still think that that's the way i like to look at it um but now that i live in florida as well i can't get outside that often right um and honestly it's come to a point where climbing for me is just what makes me happy and it doesn't matter if it's indoor or outdoor um i don't get the awe-inspiring element of nature with it but I get the community, I get the physical activity, I get the challenge, I get the uh, joy of seeing progress. Right. Um, that satisfaction that you feel when yeah. you when you send something that you've been working on for a day, two weeks, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. there is nothing other like like I don't usually get like loud and like excited <laughs> about something, but like if I send a route that I've been working like I really i'm just like amped up and it's such a cool feeling yeah and sometimes too because people could relate that to all sorts of other different sports i mean with weightlifting you can see your numbers growing Mm -hmm. but there's something about climbing where it's not just a physical element but understanding what to do and how to do it as well that one small change can make you go from falling off the beginning of a route to being able to climb the whole thing and the with minimal strength gains. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's obviously not always the case, but because that is possible, I feel like there's a huge element of reward because you can see such large, it's so much like more tangible to be like, I couldn't touch this route and now I can climb the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's true. Like I've done a lot of sports over the years and it's probably one of the most technical sports I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And it's also so, difficult sometimes because every route is different yeah so you have to do different moves for different routes constantly and even on one route you're not going to do the same move so you're constantly changing constantly having to adapt and it's also a mind game it's while you're up there you're doing pull-ups and lunges and hand things and but you're also doing a puzzle like you're trying to solve this like jigsaw puzzle of this route and it's a really weird thing to to do yeah, exactly. And there's something uh, difficult about trying to consider all your options of how your body should move while also pulling as hard as you can. 
Yeah. Like reminding yourself, it can be easy to get lost in one element or the other. A lot of times you'll see people when they go into training, they'll get really, really strong. And then you'll look at their climbing and they'll lose all their technique. Yeah. <laughs> or they'll start focusing on technique and they'll lose their strength because it's so hard to focus on both. Right. Um, and I think there's probably some physiological element too where whenever we're using all of our muscle mass, uh, like the oxygen leaves our brain and goes towards our muscles and makes it harder to be critically thinking. Well, I feel like that would maybe go back to like caveman times, like when you're like struggling and like getting like hiding from predators and just like you're climbing up rocks and trees and just like trying to escape and it's just like fight or flight kind of thing exactly whenever you're running or or in some sort of peril the need for your muscles to act as well as they can uh supersedes the need for your brain to be thinking whether or not it's the right thing to do yeah so then you have to fight that and with climbing also one thing you have to develop in the mental aspect of it is confidence and you have to Mm -hmm. like be able to tell yourself like yes i can i can do that because you'll see something and be like i'm gonna have to lunge for that like i'm gonna have to do a dynamic movement to get from this hole to the next i'm gonna be like in the air like you have to get over that as well so it's like you're constantly having to break through mental and physical barriers yeah yeah recently i actually um had like the most simple epiphany, um, which kind of stemmed off of doing a rope swing. Um, cause I was, I went to this river and there was a rope swing where you'd go into the river and my yeah. buddies and I, they wanted to get on top of this truck and jump off of it and swing probably like 15, 20 feet into the water. Oh my gosh. Um, and I was terrified of it. Little thing, a uh, little tip about me. I'm terrified of heights. Oh, really? <laughs> I am, yeah. Um, <laughs> a rock climber is afraid of heights. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but I love to push myself out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And with the rope swing in particular, I've never done anything like that before. And I there wasn't really a smaller version to... Warm up to? Exactly. Right. Um. Or at least the smaller version that we were doing was already really high for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just had to do it. Yeah. And the moment I just committed to doing it, uh, it was fine. Everything was easy. Right. And I made that realization that in climbing, I never commit. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll partially commit because I always have this doubt in my head. Um, and so the next day I came back to the climbing gym. And there was this dynamic problem where you had to jump, all fours leave the ground, uh, you're flying in the air and you catch this undercling. Oh, wow. And I was trying it over and over and over for the last like two weeks. And I come back first try after this rope swing and I stick it. No problem. Oh, my God. And I've never dropped it since. Wow. Yeah. That's and it's awesome. Just because I had that click in my head. Yeah. It's like you just got to do things sometimes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I, uh, I too have been afraid of heights for the longest time. Mm-hmm. I have many stories when I was a kid that just like paralyzed by fear. And one thing I did to kind of fix it is I went skydiving. You went skydiving? I went skydiving because I was like, all right, let's do this. Like this is going to yeah. be the other side of the spectrum where it's going to break this fear. <laughs> that's like the ultimate Yeah, that's what, Yeah, that's what you do, right? And uh, the first time I went, we have video of it. It was for my 18th birthday and the entire time I'm falling, my face is like 
<laughs> and I'm not saying a word. My mouth is. I'm just in pure shock of yeah. what's going on. And I'm like, <laughs> as I'm just falling towards Earth. And uh, luckily, I I was fortunate enough. I got to do it again, like a few, like a year later, or something with a friend, and it was a lot more fun. And I was like screaming and stuff. But it definitely changed my perspective on like heights too. Like sometimes you just have to have those experiences that are very like scary at first but they make a big difference yeah my um first job at a rock wall i had a boss who was really focused on growing us as people Mm. and one of the things she always liked to talk about is you have your comfort zone your growth zone and um i can never remember the last one but essentially she would look at it like a a uh, giant circle. Your comfort zone is the outermost ring of the circle, and then you have a smaller circle as your growth zone. And on the inside is like a circle, which is uh, even even more out of um, out of place. Um, so, if you are comfortable with something, most people want to stay in that comfort zone. Um, we all know how to walk; we can walk just fine. A lot of people maybe don't like running running might if you don't like it might be your growth zone mm-hmm. right and then say rolling down a 45 degree steep hill is going to be that last zone yeah <laughs> uh that last zone you want to avoid but when it comes to character development if you always stay in the comfort zone uh you don't really progress as a person mm-hmm. both mentally and physically um so she pushed that really hard on us as employees so that we could better uh, help our any customers that came through. But I've been trying to take that through to with the rest of my life. And anytime I get an opportunity where I'm like on the edge about it, I try to remember that. And I think that's been helpful a lot. That's really great. That's really cool that she was pushing that because I think that is so true. I think a lot of people fall into the trap of living in the comfort zone mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't like the like the pain of the uncomfort zone or and they just they dip their toe in they're like oh nope too much for me like and then back out and then it even like if you just look at it in the sense of like working out i think that correlates to life too and if like you're able to push yourself in something like that and just like inflict some self pain in the sense of like hard workouts and stuff like mm-hmm. it can make you a stronger and better person. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about being able to withstand some sort of uncomfortableness. Yeah, and that's literally like that's for me um the biggest thing that I do is like every day like in the morning some sort of like at least an hour of working out like it just sets my day up. I feel so much better. Um like, my mood is, like, off if I haven't, like, worked out. Like, my parents, really? like, my girlfriend, they're, like, you need to go do something. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you're you're not you're not feeling right, are you? I'm, like, no. Like, and I just need that. And I think that when we, we can break ourselves down and we can just build ourselves back up. And, like, it's such a cliche thing to say. But, like, it really does work. And, like, you can build yourself back up stronger and better. Yeah. I mean, the amount of times I've been having a bad day. And I've gone to the climbing gym just because I was having a bad day to fix it. And it actually works. Yeah. I I can't count that. Well, it's, I mean, it's, 
it's you're releasing your endorphins, you're getting it out, like you're just you're gonna get a sweat on, get some blood flow. I mean, it's just physiologically, it's so good for you to do that sort of thing. Yeah, and whenever you're focused on something challenging, a lot of times your troubles in life kind of fade to the background. Yeah, but they also don't feel as challenging. Like when you do something really hard. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, this doesn't seem so bad because I just did, I just went to hell and back <laughs> with my body during this, you know? That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I don't normally uh, take that perspective, but I can definitely see how it can apply. Yeah. Like, so like the other night, I uh, I'd had a pretty long day and for a while I'd been wanting to see if I could do a, a sub five, five minute mile. Because I, I think I had done one before, but it wasn't, like, officially recorded. So, like, I counted it, but not really. Yeah. And it was, like, two years ago. So, I was like, eh, I wonder if I could still do it. Like, I'm kind of running a little bit now. Like, I'm feeling good, feeling feeling healthy. And uh, I, I went for it. And, like, I uh, my legs were on fire. And, like, my heart was racing. And, like, I'm in, like, tremendous amounts of pain because you're just, like, hauling ass and like you're feeling it and yeah. afterwards like i did it i did a 450 and i was like this is the best feeling ever i was like the the high i was on for the rest of the night i was like this is so cool i was like this is what yeah. life's about yeah and what's nice about that sort of thing too i i'm not a huge runner um but are climbers runners i feel like i feel like some are and some aren't you know a lot of people who ran tend to go into climbing because the body type is similar um, oh, okay. Interesting. The difference like being, long and lean. Yeah, mostly the lean part. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate, but climbing is a uh, strength to weight ratio sport, and the Big less time. you weigh, the stronger you will be. Right. I, there's some issues with that that I can get into more. But what I was gonna bring up was just like when you're you're running, uh, and I think it has to do something with like you have a lactic acid limit. Um, yeah. But it feels like hell. Yeah. And then you reach a point. You're like, this is just getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. And then you reach a point and it stays there. Right. And you, you make this realization where it's like, if I can handle this level of pain, mm-hmm. I can handle this for the rest of the time that I'm going. Yeah. Because it doesn't get worse than that. Yeah. Um, and it sucks. Right. It's super painful. But if you just endure it and just tell your body just like, you're fine. Like you can get through this. Like you will. You yeah. Know, it's just like mind over matter. I mean, if you can get through the first five seconds of it, it's just the same thing. Yeah. Um, just a little longer. Yeah, exactly. Um, Climbing's different though, because it's not, cause it's, it's one of the first sports I've ever done where it's normal to take like a 20 minute break, which is so weird for me Yeah. <laughs> to be like, okay, you're pumped up. And if people don't know, like when you're pumped up, we don't mean like excited or amped. <laughs> We mean like your forearms are just popping. You got your veins showing like you're just you're dead. You can't really even climb anymore. It makes it a lot harder, but you'll get pumped up and people will be like, all right, just take 10, 15 minutes. And I'm like, what? Like <laughs> 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, I could go run two miles in that time. Like, this is weird. Yeah, it's it's odd because uh, your goal is to to make it to the top. Right. right. And. Uh, unlike other exercise where your goal is to challenge your body, um, if you are already at a point where you know your body is not going to do what you need it to do, it needs rest. Mm. Um, and so uh, it's pretty common to take that rest because people, they 
a lot of times the, the, the mindset of a climber is not, I'm trying to get the best workout I possibly can. It's I'm trying to do the best that I possibly can. That is interesting. I had never thought about it that way. Completely different types of working out. Yeah. One is more trying to get a good workout in, mm-hmm. just like get the heart rate up, burn some calories and all that kind of thing. And the other is there's a goal. I want to achieve it by any means necessary, whether that means resting and recovering during the workout, let's call it. Yeah. Yeah. And huh. what's really wonderful about that, in my opinion, is um, it kind of uh, surprised not surprises but tricks you into working out yeah it does because yeah. you're not actively thinking of exercise right you're just thinking i want to get to the top of this and complete this in the best way i can yeah exactly and then by the end of it you're like oh i got a great workout in <laughs> yeah i will say though uh in terms of enduring pain uh longer sport routes can have that same effect that's true yeah um, i agree with that and that's something, especially for anyone that comes from a bouldering background, that is... Just very short, short <laughs> bursts of energy, and then yeah. weight, and then just like, yeah, that's very different than sport climbing. Exactly. There are lots of times um, where I'll go, I'll be bouldering for a long time, uh, like I'll have multiple weeks in a row where I only boulder, and then I'll go back into sport climbing, and I'll be like, oh, wait, <laughs> I'm tired, but I, I need to keep pushing through this. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's different. Um, and even indoors you don't really get it as much as you do outdoors because especially here in florida uh our tallest walls are like 34 feet really yeah outdoors um in terms of single pitch climbs you have 100 foot routes maybe even like 120 at the extreme uh and then if you're in if multi-pitch is your thing you know you have all the way up to el cap where it's almost 3,000 or maybe it's slightly over 3,000 feet yeah it's a little yeah um which, if, if you think about that, 3,000 feet of climbing versus 34 feet of climbing. <laughs> Dang, I feel terrible now. <laughs> I know, right? Um, oh, my God. <laughs> so, in, in those extremes, that runner's perspective of enduring the pain definitely applies. Um, but then... And that's one of the beautiful things about climbing is there's yeah. so many different aspects to it. So many different. I mean, there's just so many different types. You got bouldering, traditional sport, free solo. Like, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. endless possibilities of things you could like get into. Yeah. And even whenever you're not climbing, there's so many calisthenic exercises and even weight room exercises that can apply. Right. And and that was one of the, one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Is there something that as you've gotten older, you've found that... Like what? What have you done outside of the gym that you found to be extremely beneficial to you in climbing? Um, I mean, the gimme answer there is pull-ups. Obviously, yeah, um, has a super direct correlation. I've always been really into pull-ups, uh, even way before I got into climbing. Yeah. Um, so I, really, I don't personally don't need to be doing them that much compared to the other things I need to be doing. But if you're talking weight room. Um, one of the things that always surprises me that I'll see in a lot of training regimens is actually deadlifting can have a direct correlation because, uh, it strengthens your thoracic spine, uh, and essentially all your core muscles, Mm -hmm. which directly correlates to overhang climbing where your feet are in front and beneath you. And a lot of times when they're in that position, gravity wants to pull them back and down. Right. Um, and if you have a strong thoracic spine, 
you're able to engage that tension between your upper torso and your lower torso uh, much more effectively. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Which holds you on the wall better. Right. Um, And over time, especially throughout the duration of a a sport route or even a short boulder problem, it drastically lessens the load on your arms, which allows you to climb harder. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people don't realize a lot of climbing comes from the legs. Yeah. You know, I mean, the legs, like, they're a very big part of it. Like, it, with most sports, too, it's weird. Like, most sports you see, like, oh, they're just using the upper body. It's like, no, it's like, like, I rode for many years, and it's like 70% legs. Or, like, even boxing, all your power comes from your legs. And Oh, like, really? All, oh, yeah. All, yeah. All in the Didn't rotation. I mean, it's. It's all about your legs. If if you don't have a strong base and you don't have good rotation, you're not going to be throwing an effective punch because if you think about the size of your legs and the strength of your legs versus like your biceps, your arms and stuff like that, it's like so much stronger. So when you put the power through there, really can make a good punch. Interesting. Yeah. I actually saw a video earlier today of uh, Conor McGregor versus the mountain from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. yeah. However you pronounce his last name. Yeah. Um, and it's real. I, in my head, I was like, this is stupid. The mountain's just going to destroy him. But, uh, because McGregor is a fighter, he knows all the techniques and yeah. actually like held his own. Right. Um, well, and he's also one of the best fighters in the world, Yeah. <laughs> but, um, he is an incredible athlete and you're right. It is it fighting is such a technical thing that the, the cool and crazy thing about it is you could take a. 150 pound person mm-hmm. who's a black belt in jujitsu and they could take down like a 250 pound guy who just lift weights yeah just exactly. because of like what they know and how they know how to manipulate their body and how to manipulate other people's bodies and i think there's kind of a correlation between fighting in the sense of like mixed martial arts and jujitsu because it is all about body manipulation and how to put your body in certain ways that it can apply force and power through it mm-hmm. in a non-traditional way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like wrestling and stuff, like all of that, like it's weird movements, but it's all about forcing power and stuff. Interesting. Uh, that probably has a correlation to how you go about your, your average life. Cause if you have a better understanding of how your body runs, your posture is going to be better though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably going to have less pain throughout your body. Like, back pain like yeah. whatever you might have so that's interesting to consider yeah um yeah you know there's a a really good example in climbing that i like to to use uh when it comes to technique versus power um there's this climb i can't i think it's called perfecto mundo it's a 514d um and there's a video of two there's a two separate videos of different climbers doing it and one of them it's this really strong climber um i can never remember who the guy is it's either sean bailey or daniel Wood, someone really strong in the climbing community and then the other climber is mario hayes and um mario hayes has a really impressive track record um but in terms of physical strength she uh, is lacking behind what the other guy is yeah. um so if you watch the video uh, and you compare them side by side. The guy, he's out here power screaming every move, doing these huge dynamic movements, pulling as hard as he can. You can yeah. see his muscles just absolutely bulging. 
and his face looks like he's in so much pain. Yeah. And then you watch the video of Margot Hayes doing it. Her hips are glued to the wall, and she's as slow as a sloth, making every move super precise and calculated. Oh, man. Um, and clearly, the guy is using way more strength. But yeah. they're climbing the same exact grade, the same exact route, same holds, everything's the same. It's just their technique is leagues apart. And wow. part of that has to do with Margot's flexibility or more aptly mobility. Um, but uh, it's also her knowing how to apply that mobility mm. uh, to her advantage. Yeah, I think body awareness is a huge thing in climbing because like if you know your body's limitations and also what it can do in terms of like mobility and flexibility and stuff and your strength limits it makes a huge difference and because then you don't overreach on something Mm -hmm. you you know that this isn't where i need to be putting my energy like i can do this in a better more efficient way yeah for sure huh do you use do you do a lot of like flexibility stuff I need to start. Um, I've been historically myself. I've been a powerful climber. Uh, well, you're kind of a bigger guy. Like you're you're a muscly guy. Yeah. You know? um, like there's climbers who are a lot more like skinnier and leaner than you are. Yeah, and I I actually um, kind of had a little bit of a weightlifting background. Oh really? Um, like when I was in college for most of that time. I wanted to be a bigger guy. Like I was, I started off pretty skinny. I left high school at like 145 pounds. Oh, okay. And in college, I peaked around 185, almost 190. You got to 190? Just about. Did I know you when you were 190? Um, no way. I was on my downward trend. From yeah, the, I was about to point. say, there is yeah. no chance. That's crazy yeah. at the 190. And I, I wasn't as low body fat as I am now, but I still had decently low body fat. yeah but i'll tell you i could not climb for crap <laughs> like uh everything felt every day was a high gravity day <laughs> um what what kind of lifts were you doing though let's like were you, did you, were you i focused on numbers? like the so one of my biggest goals in life was at that time was to get 225 on bench okay um and there was a period where like 160 was my max. Okay. Um, and now the the best I've ever done is 225 for two. Um, That's good. Yeah. Dude, my max right now is probably like 160 or 150. Really? I'm I'm so bad at bench. It's embarrassing. Like I have a naturally like kind of like bigger chest. So like mm-hmm. I never ever thought like oh, I want to work on my chest because it was already like yeah. Big. And like my dad has like a natural. It's just like a genetic thing, right? Yeah. Um. But my bench is so weak. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> See, I have a naturally like flatter chest. So okay. I have to work hard to make it pop more. Yeah. Um, so that was always one of my goals. 225 though. That's a, I mean, that's legit. That's. Yeah. That's like. Yeah. Let's like, I feel like you can say you weight lift if you can get that. <laughs> right. That's like, that's like a benchmark. Yeah. Like, oh, hit 225. Nice. Um, and I was never a big squatter, but I would do it every now and again i think my highest on deadlifting was probably 365 that's good too yeah um yeah i wanted to hit 405 but i never pushed it as hard as i did on bench well deadlifting is such a i feel like you can get injured more with deadlifting Mm -hmm. because it's just your back and you can just 
rip it and just be like, oh god. Yeah, but I never bench, maxed out. Yeah, but with like bench, you're like lying down, obviously, and it's like you usually have a spotter, and so it's a little safer, I would argue. Yeah, and it's crazy the gains you can get if you just like fix your form as well on bench. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure the same can be said on deadlifting, but uh, I never really went down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So then. Did you just get back into climbing a lot more and that's what made you like drop weight and just get back into that type of physique? So uh, there's a really strong climber at the gym we go to and at the edge. Yeah, at the edge. And he he's moved away now. But I I remember for a little while there, I was really interested in training for climbing and I would see all this information about um, these exercises that you need to do, the rest periods, how long you need for your oxygen intake to recover all this information but people are so scared to talk about diet when it comes to climbing because there's a history of anorexia because it is a power to weight ratio sport and i was just asking everyone i could i was like Mm -hmm. what should the diet be um it was like theoretically if i put on more muscle mass i can pull harder right um and i was like like in weightlifting there's a pretty common cycle of bulking and cutting bulking mm-hmm. and cutting and no, no one really takes that approach for climbing and, and i never knew why um so i finally asked the strong climber i was like what what are you doing what what do you bulk do you cut are you maintaining and he was like dude i just i just eat when i'm hungry and i make sure i consume enough protein and yeah <laughs> i'd start taking that approach and not only have i felt better uh but my body has adjusted to a weight which is a lot more suitable for climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you weigh now? Like one sixty-five. I was getting a little on the skinnier side, so the past few days I've been eating and I weighed in at like one seventy the other day. Mm. But um, like I'm, I'm okay with fluctuations in weight now. Well, I think we all fluctuate. I mean, I'll fluctuate five pounds. You yeah, know? it's just like it all depends also on like what you're eating, how much sodium it has, how much water you're retaining. How many times you've gone to the bathroom, just like all this stuff. Like it, exactly. There's so many factors to to it. Um, but uh, the anorexia stuff, it, it sucks. It's a I, I've I've done endurance sports for the past however many like eight years or I mean since like I was a uh, in eighth grade. Yeah. And it's definitely something that like body dysmorphia is something that I definitely like struggled with, like with uh, especially cross country. Because you think it's kind of the same thing. Like, you're skinnier, you have less weight, you're going to go faster. Mm-hmm. There was some, like, equation that was, like, you lose five pounds, you'll go this many seconds. There was something that, like, some old test, like, like... Yeah, that seems problematic. It's very problematic, and it's it's super, it's super messed up. And the thing is, that's such a general statement, and everyone's body is different, and... I like I I believe that and thought that's how it should be. So then, like, I would just get too skinny and just would go down the rabbit hole, and um, I wouldn't do well. I would be more prone to injury. And then when I'd be at a more healthy weight, I would do better, and I would like go mm-hmm. faster. And it's like, it's just like everyone's body's different. And yeah. I think, like that guy said, that um, eat when you're hungry, make sure you're getting enough protein, don't eat processed foods, you know, it's just like basic stuff. It doesn't need to be complicated. Like you just kind of got to figure out what works for you. 
Yeah. One of the problems right now that I'm facing um, is that last part, right? Don't eat processed foods. Oh, are you a big processed foods guy? Well, I'm a big <laughs> foods guy. Okay. And if you eat salad all day, you don't get enough calories. You know? Yeah. I I, nev- I really don't eat salads that much, though. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's typical? What's a typical day in the diet oh, of Jesus. Caleb? So today, brutally like, honest. <laughs> yeah, do yesterday because it was a full day. Yesterday, okay. Um, what did I eat yesterday? I think yesterday was actually a pretty slim, slim day for me. Um, because I'm watching these dogs right now, and whenever I get busy, I tend to have bad eating habits. I just forget to eat when I'm busy. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'll, I'll go seven hours and not have anything. I'm like, what is? Oh my god. Yeah. So yesterday I had a coffee. Um, actually I. I tried to have two coffees, but one of them, my God, I didn't like the taste of. And then I went to, ended up going to work. I didn't eat breakfast. While I was at work, I had a protein bar. And then when I got off, I went to Aldi. They have these like calzones that Uh are pretty nice or like self-serving. And so I had a cheese calzone and then I had a chickpea mix salad thing. It's like, there's no greens in it. It's just like chickpeas and beans and stuff. Um, and then I went back and I had, well, I snacked way too much. Let's see. I had goldfish. There's some applesauce packets things. That I had. <laughs> uh, oh, there was a muffin. I had two muffins. Yeah. Um, From where? It was, I don't even know the, the person I'm dog seeing for just had a box of muffins. Sitting oh, okay. Out. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what I ate. Okay. Yeah. Not the best. <laughs> no. I think the missing breakfast is the is the worst part, though. Dude. Do you I, have a hard time eating breakfast? I have a terrible time remembering to eat breakfast. This morning I did. Okay. Uh, which was good, but I I get hangry really bad. Oh, dude. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. I get hangry. I don't know what the word is for when you don't work out, though, but I get angry when that happens, too. It's like, yeah. if, I, if I'm like in a bad mood, it's like, all right. Did I eat or did I not work out? And yeah. It's horrible. And it can be hard because then if you work out and then don't eat. Oh, I, I, or, I'm, yeah, I'm dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, or even the other way around sometimes can be annoying. But yeah, eating is a huge part of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Excuse me. I'm trying to think what I usually, I, I, so I probably have oatmeal at least four or five times a week for breakfast that's a good idea it's so yeah. good it's uh it's good carbohydrates i mix i'll mix my protein powder at some time some almond butter some granola honey whatever and it's like a it's like a fat bowl of oatmeal it's great um because i i start work at like 10 work out in the morning eat the oatmeal whatever go to work at 10 don't usually go to lunch till like two or something that's when i eat again and then for lunch it'll be like leftovers from something or it'll be like smoothie yogurt something like that and then mm-hmm. dinner is just like a i don't know what dinner like chicken or salad or pasta or, yeah. or something like that do you cook know. a lot um yeah I, yeah i like to mm-hmm. do you not like to cook i don't like the time it takes it is a pain yeah 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 that is very true i eat out way more than i should uh- <laughs> um like the amount of times I eat Chick Fil A or Zaxby's. Oh or no! Chipotle. Oh, I love Chipotle. Chipotle. Chipotle is great. It tricks you because it doesn't yeah. feel that unhealthy if you know what you're doing. Right. But it's still hard on the wallet, man. Well, the part, the worst part about Chick 
Chipotle to me is I taste it for hours afterwards, and I hate that. Really? Oh, that is, with food, that's one of my least favorite things. Like, I want to eat the food and then not taste it and not think. Like, I, sh- like, I don't mm. really care about it that much. Like, I just want to eat it, get my calories, get my nutrition in, move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, with Chipotle, you taste it for the rest of the night. I'm, like, eating apples trying to get, like, the taste out of my mouth because that's, like, a natural toothbrush or like apples interesting yeah they're like a they clean your teeth naturally um that's good to know yeah they, they're eat more apples. they're great for after food because it's like helps digest and stuff um but chipotle is good yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like fruits in general are a lot better than like bananas are great pre-workout if you've yeah. ever done it like that and they, post-workout too yeah i mean honestly anytime like <laughs> anytime banana Just bananas every day dude one of my uh Favorite pre-race meals would always be a banana with peanut butter on it and honey drizzles on it because you got your like carbs and uh, fruits from the banana, the potassium, then you got your protein from the peanut butter and you got a little bit of sugar from the honey to give you some energy and it was like the perfect combination. Mm -hmm. Peanut butter and honey, oh, such a good mix. The best mix. Yeah. Yeah. it's one of my favorite breakfast items is get, get a bagel or an English muffin, toast it slightly, yeah. and put peanut butter and honey on there. Peanut butter is phenomenal. And then if I feel like I'm a gourmet chef, I slice up some banana and do a little bit of cinnamon. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's good. Um, yeah. Peanut butter. Do you like almond butter? You know, I am i don't mind all the different nut butters. Mm-hmm. Um, peanut butter has just always been my favorite. I don't know. Almond butter's got a little extra oomph to it. There's something about it. It uh, have you ever had cashew butter? I've had a cashew butter mix, okay. but it wasn't just cashews. Dude, my mom makes homemade cashew butter. Really? Like, like legit? Like she'll like she just she's like, hey, I got some cashew butter for you. She'll like give me a mason jar full of cashew butter. Cashews are my second favorite nut. They're so, they're good. Yeah, yeah. So that sounds like pretty good. It's phenomenal. She puts a little like brown sugar in it. Oh, that sounds yeah. Delicious. So it's not as healthy, but it's very very tasty. Hey, what is healthy, really? Honestly, what is it? Yeah, exactly. Like, well, also, I got to a point, I was like, I'm being so active in such, so many physical activities. Like, there are some things I'm going to have to just eat that are not healthy just so I can, like, walk around. Yeah. Like, it, it is hard as a young, active, like, a, the adult to eat healthy all the time and not lose weight. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i'll like eat healthy for a few days and i'm like I, I lost two pounds like i i need i can't i didn't yeah. have two pounds to lose like well if you're just doing chicken and rice every day it's like you have to eat so much chicken so and rice much, to yeah. fulfill like like the calorie needs that your body has and um, it's such a bland thing also it's like <laughs> oh my god chicken and rice again yeah, yeah right but if you throw in i don't know like a cookie every now and again yeah. If you work, that's one of the beautiful things about having an active lifestyle is you can get away with eating unhealthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It definitely, it makes it better because it's not like you just work a nine to five at a cubicle and then just go eat cookies and stuff. Like you're, you're, you're doing yeah. a lot of physical stuff where you're exerting yourself and it makes it a lot more like enjoyable. Yeah. And I think also, uh, generally eating healthy allows like, I don't know about yourself, but I have a pretty good awareness of where my body is standing. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I eat a cookie, I'll, I'll, I enjoy it and I'll finish it. And afterwards I'll be able to understand, uh, basically 
cue into what my body is feeling. And if I feel like another cookie would be really bad for me, I just don't do it. Yeah. Um, and if I feel like maybe I'm still a little low energy, I can have another one. And right. Um, I think people can obsess a little bit over um, following exactly what someone else's plan is. Totally. And one of, one of my good friends, Miles Fowler, he was, I was on the triathlon team with him at Queens and he's a, he's one of the coaches there now. He actually has a great analogy and it's called eat the cookie. And it literally just is sometimes in life. You just got to like enjoy the, the little things and it doesn't have to just be a cookie. It can be whatever you want it to be. The cookie is just a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And he explains it better than I do, but it basically is just that thing. Like it's okay to like enjoy things in life. Like you don't have to be so regimented with yourself. And when you are so regimented with yourself, it almost has a more negative impact than if you were to just eat the cookie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there is this, um, big time athlete in like this big gym out in Utah. They, I think it was like a CrossFit type thing. And this guy was like training really hard for some, competition or whatever and he was doing really well and one of his favorite things was like ben and jerry's ice cream and he would have it like every night like i mean this dude would work out like that was like his job yeah working out and he would have it like every night or whatever and it was his favorite thing and the coach like a little bit before the competition was like hey let's cut that out like let's let's eat, eat super clean and then the guy was like okay so he cut it out and all of a sudden his lifts got worse his like prs were no longer good like he started dropping in performance and the coach was like oh man, the only thing we changed was this Ben and Jerry's and he told him to add it back in the diet. Everything went back up. And That's it, crazy. And it isn't so much about the nutrition. It's more about just like like the mental side of it, like the enjoyment, like, oh, like I accomplished a goal, like I can reward myself. But then when you take those little rewards away, it's like, oh man, what am I doing this for? Like, it's just like, I can't enjoy anything. Yeah, and for just, sure. Yeah. I So much of life is a mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, like that kind of gets into uh, the the idea that's it's applicable to so many aspects of life, but whether or not you are trying to uh, basically make yourself hate life for the potential of long term success, mm-hmm. or enjoy everything now, um, and there's definitely a sense of overindulgence that can happen there. Right. Yeah. Um. But. You know, people have different, like, there are people out there who will not spend a dime a week, you know, they'll, like, uh, hoard all their money trying to retire early, and then there are people that will blow everything, every single penny on their paycheck and make large paychecks because Mm -hmm. they're trying to enjoy life, Um, and and that's applicable to health and eating and and all sorts of things. Um, I think really where it comes down to like if we take the exercise approach i'm not exercising because i'm playing this long-term game with my health and in my life later on i'm doing it because i like it yeah like i I don't wake up one day and say you know i'm gonna go to the gym today because 20 years down the line i'm gonna feel good about it (laughs) i do it because i feel good about it 10 minutes after yeah you know it it's one of the the best things i think that like someone can do Mm -hmm. and like i think it really is extremely beneficial to your life yeah so finding things that help you in the long term that don't hurt you in the short term Mm. i think that's the trick to life 
That's a good way of looking on it. Benefit long term, don't hurt the short term. That's cool. Yeah. That's a good quote. And nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to be able to find the perfect uh, win-win in every situation, but right. You got to make sacrifices, and you got to figure out what works for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think you should always strive for that perfect situation. Yeah. Well, my uh, my rowing coach in high school, he always one of his quotes was, "We're gonna strive for perfection," and um something and reach excellence he's like strive for perfection accept excellence or it was something like that like mm-hmm. we can't reach perfection we're gonna work towards it but we're gonna get excellence and and be okay with that yeah and like and be like that's okay i think that's probably pretty good yeah i think it's pretty accurate yeah um that's something that kind of goes into uh like you can say um, I had a guy at the gym the other day come up to me. I was climbing shirtless cause I was hot and he came up to me. He's like, what are you doing? Cause it must be right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, isn't that weird when people do that? Yeah. It really trips me up. Cause I'm like, I, I don't know what to say here. Like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Cause it, yeah. But, um, and he went on and on about it. And, and I made the realization later that night that from his perspective, I had what his goal was. Yeah. From my perspective, I'm still at the bottom of the totem pole. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's because I'm constantly striving for perfection. Right. Um, and I think that realization helped me realize that, like, to some extent, it's like, okay, no, I can be happy where I am, but I don't want that to make me settle. Right. You can be... Another good quote that I learned along the way is, be happy but not satisfied yeah that's good i I think that is so perfect and i don't think i think a lot of people are satisfied with where they are Mm -hmm. where they shouldn't and they shouldn't be you know like you you're never you should never be satisfied with where you are because you always want to be better yeah like you should always want to be trying to reach a higher level of who you are and um like matthew mcconaughey at the golden globes or something he was like he, he says this great thing. He's like, I'm I'm always trying to be better next year. He's like, five years from now, I want to be better. Ten years, and he's like, he's, it's just very accurate of how we should be. Yeah. I think uh, people with that mindset tend to succeed more in life. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're happy, you're happy. And I'm not going to, you know, shoot down anyone who yeah. is happy where they are. But it's not for everyone. And it's definitely not for me. Right. No, I totally agree with that. I, uh. Yeah, I am never, never satisfied. Like literally, I, I did uh, that sub five minute mile, and literally ten minutes after, I was like, "What was uh one of the guys that I ran with in high school's uh record?" And they like told me, I was like, "All right," and I was like, "That's I'm going next." For it. <laughs> I was yeah. like, "It's just I don't know. That's that's how I am, and uh, I think it's I think it's great." Yeah. Some people don't like that though. Some people don't like it when you're uh when you have that mentality, you know? Yeah. I think part of the beauty of, of the success feeling um, is that you had a goal in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not going to feel successful if you didn't have a goal in the first place. So once you... Re- feelings are fleeting. Everything is, you know? Um, and you the more you go throughout life, you realize that. And if you don't 
have another goal once you've completed your previous one, you are never going to feel that feeling of success again. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to be always pushing yourself super hard. Your goals can change. Like when right. I'm 60, I'm not going to be trying to set PRs on anything. Yeah. Um, but my goals then are probably going to be to set reset PRs that I've set o- earlier. You yeah. Know? And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. As long as you can see progress at that point in your life. Right. And, uh, and speaking of goals, do you, do you have any, like, do you have any goals an outside climb, like an outdoor climbing, like any places you want to summit any things you want to do? And then do you have any goals currently right now in the indoor climbing space? Um, outdoors, I've, I've kind of had this arbitrary number in my head where I want to get a V7 outdoors. Okay. Um, for and people been, who don't know that he's talking about bouldering. Yeah. Yeah. V set V the V's refer to bouldering and then like the five, five ten, five eleven. Well, like yeah. all that refers to um like sport climbing and like top ropes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um and so the hardest thing I've done outdoors is a V four. Um I've only bouldered a couple times. Uh, is been, outdoor climbing harder than indoors? <laughs> I've never asked him. I've never thought I just was. Yeah, that's that's a huge can of worms. Really? <laughs> um, long story short, it's different. Okay. Um, and if you come into outdoor climbing with only indoor climbing experience, you're not going to climb as hard as you did before. Mm. Um, just because it's different. Now you take a week or two while you're out there and you learn. You can you can gain a lot of skill really fast. Uh, like say you're climbing V7 indoors, you got outdoors. You'll probably climb V3, V4. You do it wow. for one or two weeks straight, you might be at V6. Wow, um, big difference then. Exactly. Wow. Um, it's just about learning the... It's different techniques. Okay. Um, and then on top of that, <laughs> uh, there's not as good of a system to make sure that grades are consistent. Mm. So outdoors, you might have a V6 that's equivalent to a v8 indoors but you also might have another v6 somewhere that's equivalent to a v4 indoors oh that's so weird yeah dang uh and that that range that i just gave right there might be a little on the extremes but but still there is a range yeah yeah yeah. exactly okay um but yeah i'd like to get a v7 okay Um, why why is that a goal since you you said you you do more like top rope stuff right now so okay i'd like to be a professional route setter for right you told me that last year yeah you said yeah because you went to a route setting clinic somewhere right Mm -hmm. in fort collins colorado cool um and i'm in the application process right now to get my my next level of certification um i'm missing some qualifications for that but one of the qualifications that it uh says is you must be able to forerun v7 and 513 Um, 513 yeah and through my and all, everything I've learned about training for climbing, uh, training if you train your strength for bouldering, it's a lot easier to gain the endurance needed than it is to gain the strength needed. Mm. Um, and so I'm kind of focused right now on becoming a strong... Because once I can do V7, I feel like I can pretty confidently say I could work a 13 and, and get it eventually. Mm. Um, but my first step on that totem pole is, is V7. And the hardest thing I've done indoors is V6. <laughs> at the edge? Uh, at the edge, yeah, okay. which the edge is incredibly sandbagged, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, someone was telling me that the other day. So that basically means that 
a V7 or a V6 there is actually like a like a V8 or V7 somewhere else. Exactly. Um, um, well, that's good for you then, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's a little bit more correlated to actual outdoor climbing. Oh, and okay. On that same mindset, if there is a V7 out there that I can't do when I'm trying to become a be like a professional route setter, then I'm going to feel like I'm not doing my job properly. So I don't want to be happy with like the easiest V7 I can do. Yeah. I want to be able to say that I can confidently climb V7. Right. And if I can do it outdoors, uh, generally speaking, outdoors is a little bit harder. So if I can do it outdoors, I feel like I could do it indoors. Mm, that's uh, a good way of looking. That's a that's a healthy and like smart way of looking at it, and not like just like saying, "Oh, if I just do one, like check the box." It's mm-hmm. I want to do. I want to be able to do them all. Yeah, exactly. Which is way better. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people probably go with the approach of, oh, if I can just do one, that's fine. You mm-hmm. know, like, but I think it's I think it's good that you want to be able to do them all. There's a culture of what we call grade chasing in climbing. Oh, I've never heard. Okay. Yeah, uh, which is people just, their goal is to get the next grade. Like, that's their mm. one and only goal. Once they get it they're satisfied and then they have the next grade in mind and they don't a lot of times those people don't really care about what they're actually climbing yeah like i could throw a v9 grade on something that's like v6 and if they if there wasn't a ton of dispute about it and they climbed a v they climbed it they'd be like i climbed v9 and be super proud of themselves and that's fine i i don't mind it but that I'm going to know if I did that, I'm going to know it's not a V9. Right. I'm not going to be happy with that. Yeah. Um, similarly, I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Um, with the Olympics coming up, we've been setting some more um, comp style climbs. How are they different? Um, so traditional climbing and, and I'm saying traditional more in like the historic sense, not in like trad climbing where you place gear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> All these words are so interchangeable. It's so like for people, it's so confusing. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, so historically, climbing hard has been smaller holds, um, more body tension, pulling harder. Um, there's not a lot of jumping. There's not a lot of like large holds that are slopey. They're small, sharp, painful. Mm. Um, you get into competition climbing where now you have an audience, and part of the goal with any sport when you have an audience is to please the audience. And when you're sitting at a, uh, stand, you know, 10, 20, hundred feet away, uh, depending on how big the event is. And someone's grabbing on something that's five millimeters thick. You can't see crap. Yeah. It's not, it's not appealing. So competition climbing has morphed into these climbs with, giant holds right large movements people are jumping across the wall catching and then you'll see their body fling across and it looks sick yeah um it really looks something out of like an action movie exactly yeah um but that's not traditional climbing no okay um it doesn't really happen outdoors um because uh outdoor routes have so many natural formations that chances are if there's a giant move like that there's a sequence to get through to get to the move. Mm. Um, and also this, the idea of having one giant bulge here and another giant bulge here that like, uh, geologically that doesn't 
really form. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, because um, yeah. if a river is coming through or air is coming through to cut it, it's not going to selectively cut that shape. I know. I always think about that when there's like these stalactite holds at the gym, and I'm like, this isn't how it would really be, is it? Yeah. Like, it's very strange, but. Yeah, and then a lot of times, like, I mean, there are stalactites in nature, but right. they're like calcium deposits and they'll break off if you yeah, climb on them. Exactly. Um, and so, anyways, we've been setting a lot more on that style, and people at the edge oftentimes have a lot more traditional mindset to climb so anytime we set one of those problems most of the clientele tries to not do it the the way that it's intended um and uh it's kind of fun to 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 try different ways but i've i'll see so many people uh it's called breaking the beta or uh the beta is like the way you're supposed to do a route and Mm -hmm. if they break it they're doing it a different way so many people will break the beta on a route, be super satisfied with themselves, and then walk away and never touch it again. And they never did the intended sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and Does that upset you as a route setter? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> it frustrates me. Okay. Because you're missing out on the enjoyment that could have been had. Mm. Um but as a climber, I understand that people have different goals. Right. Um, and it's not my position to tell them what they should and shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Uh, personally, when I climb, if I see there's an intended sequence, I want to try that intended sequence. Yeah. Because that's the vision that the route setter had in mind. And I want to be able to see experience the same experience that they were trying to have me experience. Well, yeah, and I think I do that too because when I I climb, I usually, and I feel like I probably should just try it on my own first, but I usually like to just ask and get people's opinions on like what's the best way to do it. And I I hadn't yet thought about it before in the sense of doing it the way the route setter thought, but I just have always, I want to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Like I want to do it right. I like, especially after you said that story about the Margot Hayes versus that other guy, like, it's cool that a guy like can do that type of climbing and it's like crazy to watch, but like everyone wants to be the person who can just like beautifully climb. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's something poetic and it's just like, it's art. Like when Mm -hmm. you can do it and it's just fluid and smooth and you do the right movements. So I think, um, I think I totally get what you're saying, how it would be, be frustrating as a route setter. Yeah. And I probably have some, uh, innate biases there. Cause like, I, I'm not, as you said earlier, I'm like more of a powerful climber. I'm not really a poetic climber. <laughs> um, and so in my head, that is such a goal to strive towards. Right. Um, whereas other people maybe already did that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not their goal. Yeah. Um, but I'm not the type of person to tell someone that they're doing something wrong. Yeah. That is a weird thing to do. <laughs> That's hard to do. Yeah. Um, so then a V so a V seven is a goal, mm-hmm. and then after that it would be a five thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Then then you would be able to get your level two. Yeah. So then what would that mean for you in terms of being a professional route setter? Like, what's the path that you have to take to become that? So there are five levels of certification. Oh my god. I know. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm kind of taking it step by step. Uh huh. 
That's um, a good way to do it. You know, my mom came into my room one day back in high school. Um, it was the oddest thing. Nothing was going on. She just walks in with this uh, little, like, mannequin elephant thing. Like, a small little, not like a plush doll because it was hard plastic. Like but porcelain? Is that the right word? Same idea, but made of plastic. Okay, okay. Um, and she just sets it on my desk and goes, remember. Or she goes, uh, how, do you eat, how do you eat an elephant? And I looked at her so dazed and confused because it was like completely random. It's like, I don't know. And she goes, one bite at a time. Yeah. And leaves yeah. it on my desk and walks away. <laughs> uh, this elephant has never left my desk. Uh. <laughs> I take it everywhere, man, because it's such a good story, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Um, Sounds like a cool lady. <laughs> very interesting person. <laughs> but, oh. uh, yeah, so I, I try to take big things like that one bite at a time. Yeah, smart. Um, and essentially, once I get my level two, I'm going to go through, figure out what the process is to get level three, yeah. get that. Same thing four, same thing five. So then as um, a, when you achieve this, as a professional route setter, do you work in a gym like The Edge or do you, are you a private, um, like how does, what so does the look So those like? certifications are specifically to allow you to set for competitions. Oh. Like, um. Something like the Olympics. Something like the Olympics, exactly. Well, that's, that's pretty sick knowing that climbing is now in the Olympics and that's. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, I think that would be awesome, but. Uh, like the Olympics is every four years. <laughs> There's climbing competitions every year. There's yeah. a season for it. Um, most of those guys have a have a job elsewhere, setting, mm-hmm. being a head setter at a gym. So, competition level setting is more of a seasonal job, and I would also, ideally in this situation, be working at another gym. Yeah. Um, maybe even a coalition of gyms, mm. depending on how it works out. I'm not really. Uh, the type of person that's really going to force my life one direction. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of different ideas and I pursue every single one that I can. Well, you mentioned to me once possibly wanting to open like your own climbing gym. Yeah. Is that something that's always kind of on the horizon too? Eventually. I think yeah. um, I always have this understanding that when I'm 60 or 70, I'm not going to be as active as i am now i'm not gonna right. be able to do the physical jobs that i envision so yeah i, I want to have a plan and i want to make sure that plan is in alignment with something that i want to do um and we were talking so much about physical fitness today mm-hmm. and there are so many people out there that just honestly just don't know yeah um i'm convinced that if everyone had the same exposure that myself and you have probably had mm-hmm. um i think the world would be a better place yeah it'd be a better place yeah. and happier people more healthier. athletic yeah. our uh life's gonna be longer yep um there would just be less depression mm-hmm. i don't know more would get done i think so too um and so i kind of have this other thing in the back of my head i even made a little calendar notification with like a <laughs> mission statement it reminds me every week um it's a little uh odd i guess but no it's good dude i put i put signs up everywhere in my house i i put uh i have wallpapers that i switch on my phone with motivational quotes yeah i get it i do it too 
exactly. I think it's great. And I don't do it that much, and I'd like to do it more. Yeah. Uh, but this is like kind of the start of it. Basically, I want something that can promote the access and exposure to physical fitness mm-hmm. um, and recreational activities. Um, I mean, climbing's not the only way to do it. Like, you're yeah. a surfer. I'm sure surfing yeah. has so many uh, applicable uh, situations where you get physically fit through just having fun. Yeah, or and, like mountain biking. Yeah, hiking. Hiking. Um, oh, I love paddling. I don't know if you've yeah. ever been like whitewater rafting or kayaking. So fun. Yeah. Um, there's not really great access to it around here. But the Colorado River, dude, that's that's where I've Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's actually where I went deep water soloing. Yeah. Because it comes through into Texas. Oh, my God, we... I mean, this was years ago when we went um, whitewater rafting, but we definitely saw people doing that now that I think about it. Really? Yeah, yeah. they were definitely doing deep water soloing. Yeah. And at that time, I was young, and I was like, what the heck? This is crazy. <laughs> These people are nuts. But now I'm like, oh, my God, I want to do that. Exactly, right? It's such a funny shift. But um, whitewater rafting is fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. Um, it's like adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. It's kind of dangerous, but not too dangerous. And, like, oh, it's just super exciting. Yeah. And there are so many other activities out there. Like yeah. I learn new ones every day. Like sea kayaking, like <laughs> yeah. the surf ski I was just telling you about. Like yeah, exactly. Just stuff like that. It's just there are so many cool things out there, and there's just people don't know about them. Uh huh. Yeah. And and they also don't know how easy it can be to have access to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of my long term goals, and maybe it won't always be long term, but is having something that can make it easier for people to get access and become aware. Mm. Um, I have some ideas that I'll, I'm thinking about in that regard, but I don't want to get into it too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like the... I, I'm a huge uh, hobby person. I, I, I have had so many hobbies my parents call them phases um (laughs) i I go through a lot of them and at first it was it was like what is he doing he just keeps switching like he's fickle like all these hobbies and stuff and but now i see it as i'm just getting to gather a bunch of different experiences Mm -hmm. get in with different communities of people learn new things and it's been the coolest thing ever like Rock climbing probably was just a little phase of first, but I really do love it and um, trying to get back more into it. And then like surfing, photography, surf ski, like the kayaking. And like, it's just like all these different activities have different communities. And I think when you can embed yourself and meet different people from different communities, from different walks of life, it's it's really valuable and it's can make a huge difference. For sure. Yeah. And you know, the community aspect is one of the largest things I think we haven't touched on yeah. enough because especially I recently graduated. Right. Um, and it becomes very apparent very quickly when you're out of school that friendships are uh, situational a lot of times. It's a good way of putting it. Um, yeah. Sad but true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that people don't care about you. It's that if, if your lives don't intertwine, it's hard to keep a friendship going. Right. It's very hard. And I mean, I think that was shown to a lot of people during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, I haven't seen most of the climbing people in a year. And <laughs> like, 
that, I mean, that's crazy. You yeah. know, it's just like, but like you said, it's situational. And I think we all need a community. I think mm-hmm. we all need to be a part of a, a group. I think it's important when we just like shelter ourselves from people. I don't think it's healthy. And I think it's good to be surrounded by like-minded people. Yeah. I heard this um, one thing where it's like your life stands on three pillars. You, on one pillar, you have like your family. On the other pillar, you have your community, friends, and, and everyone mm-hmm. that in that regard. And then in the other pir- pillar, you have like your spirituality. Mm. Um, and that can go into so many different ideas, but everyone has their own, right? Right. Um, and if you're missing one of them, uh, it, you know, imagine if this is some sort of tabletop or whatever, it right. falls over. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like community is one of the ones that is really easy to lose. Um, it's easy to lose, but it's also easy to find. Exactly. If you know, you know what you're doing. Yeah. If you know what you're doing, it's weird. Like I just walked into the gym like the <laughs> first time and I, I just started shaking hands, meeting people. And next thing you know, like, I'm hanging out and everything is good. Like, yeah, you just have to to get in and then you're in. But if you're the type of person that doesn't do things, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's you're right. Well, um, you're going to end up just being on Reddit, just like messaging yeah. with people and like stuff like that. Yeah, and that has its place, right? Um, but uh, even then, like, it's. I think the digital world it's really dangerous yeah um yeah it's pretty it's weird yeah um i don't know uh, it's really easy to become a hermit on there <laughs> yeah social media definitely has not helped that yeah <laughs> no no not at all but you're right it is easy to lose because of that situational aspect of it yeah yeah but if you're aware of that and you're going out and like you said just meeting people yeah it's it's the easiest pillar to keep standing at the same time yeah and i think if I think if you're doing something like well, we'll use climbing, for example, first of all, everyone in the climbing community is very nice, you yeah. know, very nice. Like there are communities where some people are nice, some people aren't, but everyone I've met through climbing has been great people, you mm-hmm. know, like helpful, like willing to like give you advice. And it's just, it's really cool. Um, but when you show your interest in a certain activity like climbing and they have interest in it too, you're naturally gonna come together as a group, you mm-hmm. know? So I think my mom, or it might be my aunt actually, who has a quote, um, and it's, be interested and be interesting. And it's like, that's so true. Like when meeting people, mm-hmm. especially like when talking to people, like you wanna be interested in what they're saying, but you also wanna be interested yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, that can go into a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I talk a lot. I can, like, jump into so many different things. Yeah, you know? we're, we're getting close to the, the cutoff, <laughs> but uh, yeah. we've, we've almost been here an hour and a half. I know, that's Isn't crazy. That crazy. The time flies. It's it's whack. Like, those people, like, the podcasts that are, like, three hours long, they're like, all right, that's three hours, and they're like, what? <laughs> I'm just like, I get it. I mean, it's easy to to talk but um this was good yeah this was this was a great conversation we touched on a lot of stuff we touched on a ton of stuff yeah yeah that was perfect um well thank you for coming out i think we're uh 
We're going to go do a hangboard workout now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Caleb's going to go wreck my forearms and fingers. It'll be good. I'm excited. We were going to go to the gym, but it's 4th of July. <laughs> yeah, everything's closed. Yeah, but hey, America, baby. <laughs> um, well, thank you again for coming. Yeah, thank you it. for having me. Yeah, of course.